Hi, folks. This is Michael, and welcome to the Blood Walk. Uh, today, oh, let's have a little discussion on circumcision. Ouch. Oh, God, I don't even like to talk about that. Uh, you know, brings up, uh, <laughs> brings up some memories, man. However, however, that's old custom or that, that's old testament or old covenant circumcision. Nevertheless, you got to have that too. God says so in Ezekiel, man. You know, you got to be circumcised in your flesh and in your inner man. All right, so let's talk about the circumcision of the inner man because you already know what the circumcision of the outer man is like. And I got to tell you something. I've heard Christians throughout the years bitch and moan and groan and complain about uh, about the physical act of uh, circumcision, right? And they're saying it's nasty, it's dirty, it was uh, barbaric, all this kind of stuff, right? And, and so you, you take that and you weigh that. W- weigh what they say there, right? The best circumcision. Oh, and, and they don't like it. Many of them don't, right? They disagree with it. However, like I say, put this in the balance. It's like, okay, Christian, so you are going to look upon the Lamb of God, and you're going to look upon the Lamb crucified, and you're going to look upon him pouring out all his blood on the cross for your sake, for your sake, for your sake. And yet, when it comes to circumcision, you little jackasses aren't even willing to give God a drop of your blood. You know, and to me, folks, Hey, if this is insulting to you, sorry, but that is one of the most pathetic responses I've ever heard in my life. And uh, and it gets me riled up. It does get me riled up. I thought, golly, man, he poured it all out for you, and you won't even give him one stinking drop of your blood to undergo circumcision. And it's like, oh, my God, people, you know, open your eyes, wake up, wake up, you know, because I'll tell you what, if they will not submit to a physical circumcision, I guarantee you they're not going to submit to a spiritual circumcision either. And the spiritual circumcision, people, the foreskin of the spirit is religion. It is religion. Religion is a remarkably filthy, unclean foreskin that, uh, that is upon the heart of man. And Yahshua himself is going to circumcise your heart. And you need to submit to it. You need to submit. It's a magnificent thing. And oh my God, I'll tell you what. When he cuts off the foreskin of religion, all of a sudden, man, you're free. There's a healing process to go through. There sure is. But oh my God, you are you're healed. You're set free in a magnificent, remarkable way. It's like you're cleansed. It's like a cleansing of your soul, a cleansing of your heart when you allow him to circumcise you. Okay? Okay, so let's get back to this. Religion is the foreskin. All right? Religion is the foreskin. If you're Jewish, Judaism is your foreskin. If you're a Christian, Christianity is your foreskin. All right, both the religions both need to be cut off. All right, here's the deal. Let's go back to what I was sharing with you in a previous podcast about the fear of God, right? And how afterwards the Holy Spirit came and said, Michael, are you willing to give up all that you know and all that you think you know, all that you have learned, and all that you think you've learned, right? And when you say yes to this, and 
and, and when the Holy Spirit comes to you and poses to you the exact same question, you're going to say yes too, right? At that moment, at that split second in time when you say yes, the foreskin is being cut from your heart, all right? Now, what happens is, is that all of a sudden you come into an understanding of just what God requires of you, right? You can go back into Micah or go into uh, Deuteronomy 28. Uh, so what happens in religion is, you know, especially in Christianity, and let's take a look at a picture here, okay? Yahshua on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? On one side, you have Moses. On the other side, you have Elijah, all right? What is it? What's the, what's the picture here? The picture is Moses as the Torah and Elijah as the testimony, right? The law and the prophets, the Torah and the testimony. Yahshua is standing right smack dab in the midst of the Torah and the testimony, all right? Right smack dab in the midst. So what happened in Christianity is they rejected the testimony of the prophets, and they rejected Moses because one single guy, one guy convinced them. He convinced them that the Torah was a curse, that it was unnecessary. You don't need to pay attention to the testimony of the prophets. I mean, this guy even went so far as to say that the teachings of Yahshua, which took place in the days of his flesh, are irrelevant. That's how bad it is, right? That is how bad of a lie that you're going to get if you get absorbed into religion, all right? You are going to get lie upon lie upon lie upon lie. And even though, even though in Christianity they kicked Moses out and they kicked out Elijah too, right? But they kept the name of Yahshua. It's kind of like, a, oh gosh, I wish I could remember which prophet it was. Uh, we're saying, in that day, seven women will take a hold of one man and say, uh, you know, we don't care about nothing else. We just want your name, right? We just want your name. Well, that's the same thing that happens in Christianity. They didn't want what Yahshua had. They just wanted his name, right? You know, and it's like, folks, 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 you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to die on the vine if all you want is his name, right? You've got to have his word. And until folks understand that the source of the words of Yahshua is the law of God, okay? And I get it in Christianity. They have no idea what the Torah is. Again, I've mentioned this before. You speak the law to Christians, and the first thing that comes out of their head and the first thing that comes out of their mouth is blood sacrifice, right? And, it, and for some reason, they, they fail to remember Yahshua despised blood sacrifice. He hated it. He hated it. And if you go back and do historical studies, you know, uh, Robert Eisenman has a book called uh, James, the Brother of Jesus, or James, the Brother of Yahshua, right? And it's about the Essenes. And the Essenes were a sect that were apart from Judaism. Judaism being uh, the religion of the Pharisees, all right? That is today, that is modern Judaism, right? They are descended uh, from rabbinical Phariseeism, all right? Same thing Yahshua said to cut off, right? That's what that religion is. It's the foreskin. It's what Yahshua said. You're going to have to get rid of this if you are going to follow me and obtain the kingdom of heaven. You're going to have to cut your foreskin off. You're going to have to cut off your religion. You're going to have to come out.
And that's why his followers were called the called out ones, the ecclesia. What did they come out of? They came out of the religion of the Jews and they entered into the way, the truth and the life. Okay? This is not happening today. Today, you have a religion called Christianity. It's the same thing as Judaism was 2,000 years ago. And today, when God calls you out, you're being called out of a religion and into the way, the truth, and the light. You are being called out from the multitudes into the narrow way. You're being called from the multitudes to follow the Lamb wherever He goes and to do whatever He says. Kind of like Mary at the marriage of Cana, right? Uh, you know, referring to Yahshua, right? Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it, okay? Very simple, very simple. It's not rocket science. It never has been rocket science. The problem with Christianity is it is overflowing with theologians, right? Same in Judaism. And whenever you get a religion, you got nothing but theology, which is dead. It's a dead word. It does nothing. It's not working. It's not active. It's not alive, right? Theology is like the strength of religion. It's the power of religion, the power of their arguments, right? And all their arguments produces death and more death. The only time you are going to produce life within you is when you hearken diligently to the voice of the good shepherd. And let me tell you something about the voice of the shepherd. Yahshua says, my sheep know my voice, right? Well, guess what, people? The voice of the good shepherd speaks the words of the good shepherd. Yahshua said of the Holy Spirit that when the Holy Spirit comes, all right, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, is going to remind you of the words of Yahshua, what Yahshua taught, not another man, Yahshua, behold the Son, listen to the Son. When God said on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is my beloved Son, hear ye him. All right, that means hear and obey. Hear and obey my Son. And it's, it's the height of insanity that, for some reason today in Christianity, they really can't figure out what that means. They just can't figure it out uh, because they don't follow the sun. By and large, most do not. Uh, most do not. Most of them are followers of somebody else. And unfortunately, people, when you get right into it, right into it in the spirit, by following somebody else, it's like they want the name of Yahshua, but they don't follow Yahshua. They follow the teachings of another man. And people, that's called adultery. That is a adultery that's jumping into that's jumping into bed with with, with, with you know oh god you know what i mean you know it's like here's the deal once you receive the father's name okay once you receive his name okay uh oh man and like i say with the with with, with the name of the father people comes the millfall I have described this to you guys for, I don't know, 13, 14 podcasts. You ought to know what I refer to when I say the mill ball by now. Right? So here's the deal. Once you know the word, once you know the mill ball, right? This is the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is the matzah. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This 
is the milpa. It's not the words of uh, of another man. This is the word that comes from God himself, okay? From God himself. And once you receive this, and once you understand it, you are going to be able to look throughout all of the New Testament, right? And after the book of John, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a mill thought anywhere, anywhere at all, especially once you get through the book of Acts and you go through the 13 epistles, right, of a man who called himself an apostle, and yet you can't find one single teaching of Yahshua in all of these epistles, not one single teaching. You cannot find a mill thought. It does not exist in those teachings. So why do people follow after a guy that does not have the mill thought? I don't get it. I really don't. I don't understand it. Well, I can't really say I don't get it because, quite frankly, ah, after a fashion, yes, I do. You see, Christians are convinced that they're the Gentiles. All right, absolutely convinced they're Gentiles. And yet, let me give you let me give you something very true here, people. That in the United States of America, we are overflowing with the sons of Jacob. We are overflowing with the descendants of the house of Israel. I mean, you could even take a look at India. India, right? Ah, you know, Thomas, the apostle, was sent to India. All right? I come not before the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The lost sheep of the house of Israel. Folks, Thomas was an apostle of the Lamb, and he went to India. You know Why? Because the lost sheep of the house of Israel were also in India. And many of the other apostles were sent to places like Parthia, uh, Scythia, um, many of these, uh, what today we'd call uh, the Middle East, right? And if, if you read Josephus, Josephus says that the house of Israel was more numerous than the sands of the sea right east of the Euphrates. Well, guess what, folks? The only gospel, the only histories that Christians are left with is not what happened east of the Euphrates, but what happened west of the Euphrates. West of the Euphrates was the Roman Empire, the empire of the dogs, all right? The empire of the dogs. So, you know, it was like, putting the gospel into the hands of the beast, right? Because Rome at that time was called the beast, right? So what happens? Rome hijacked the gospel, the message, and what did they do to it? They did the same thing to the gospel that they had done to Yahshua. When they crucified the Lamb of God people, they crucified the message also. What they do to the prophet prophesies what they do to the prophet prophesies and when rome crucified yahshua people i tell you truly they crucified his message all right so what does that mean that means it is incumbent upon you it is incumbent upon me it is incumbent upon all of us people to go to the cross why why? So that the message can be resurrected within you. All right? You are going to become the message. When you go to the cross and you allow the cross to do its work, when you allow that white, hot, brilliant, shimmering cross to purge you,
right? To, 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 to bring the old Adam to the death. To the death. Go back and read Revelation 12, right? To, to, oh my gosh. Um, oh my gosh. These are things that you, that, these are things that are very difficult to learn unless you pick up the cross, right? But if you're only going to sit out there and sit in the pew and learn about these things from a distance, you're never going to learn anything. The only time you're going to learn is when you get up front and personal with his word and you do it yourself. Yourself. That's why Yahshua calls us out of religion, right? If you stay in Christianity and you pick up the cross, right, I tell you what, sooner or later, your friends, uh, your congregation and whatnot, they're going to say, oh, that's so unnecessary. Don't you know that you are crucified with him at baptism? You don't need to actually take up the cross. It already happened when you were baptized. And I'm going, oh, my God, people, you know, Yahshua said you'll know them by their fruit. Right? I do not see the fruit of the resurrection in Christianity. Do you? I do not see much of the fruit of the kingdom in Christianity. Not anymore. You know, maybe in the first 40, 50, 60 years, yes. But back then it wasn't really called Christianity. It was called the way. And it was the teachings of the apostles of the Lamb. Okay? This other set of teachings, people, was not that prevalent in the first century. In the first century, they flipped the world upside down because they had the word which endured to eternal life, right? They had the word. They had the milthaw. They had the milthaw. But after the apostles had been murdered, right, and most of their disciples, I mean, all you got to do is open your history books, people, and Rome went through and they genocided the followers of Yahshua to the best of their ability, they, they, they murdered, tortured, and killed all of the leaders and basically almost all of their followers, all right? They killed it. They killed it. You know, which is why today in, in Christianity, at least among evangelicals, fundamentalists, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're basic pew-sitters, right? You're basic pew-sitters. And... And they basically only know the cross from a great distance. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, look at this picture right here. Okay, let, let's go back to Moses and the burning bush. All right, you ever seen the movie The Ten Commandments? It's great, especially the one with Charlton Heston, right? And so you have this scene with Charlton Heston, right? And he's already been, uh, you know, kicked out of Egypt. And he's there with his wife, Zipporah. And he's looking upon this mountain, and, uh, and she describes what's going on with this mountain, that there's a bush that, that, that burns and is not consumed, right? And so Moses was not satisfied, people. He was not satisfied just seeing this from a distance. Moses had the heart to go and climb that mountain, to scale that mountain, to see that burning bush for himself, all right? And this is the same kind of attitude, right, that folks need today. Not being satisfied with knowing the cross from a great distance, right? Scale that mountain, people. Scale the mountain. Pick up the cross. Follow him. Make it to the burning bush, if you will. And the burning bush is the revelation of the name of Yahweh. It is a revelation of his name. This is where it all begins, right? It all begins really with the revelation of the name. All right? So, oh my, 
once you receive the revelation of the name of Yahweh, okay, guess what? Next comes the Sabbath. That was the next thing that God gave to Moses was the Sabbath, okay? What happened after that? Well, boom, here come the judgments of Egypt. Oh, and, and you know, I don't want to get too far off track, right? But okay, so the next thing that happens is the judgments of Egypt, right? Boom, we get down to the final judgment, right? The, the slaughtering of the firstborn, the Passover. Oh, Passover. All right, the name, Sabbath, Passover, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this is the, the order of events that take place in your life, too. When you get up front and personal and you scale that mountain, if, if you want to call it that, that you pick up that cross, and this is something that you don't do lightly. Nobody does this lightly. Yahshua, when he was instructing his disciples, when he was instructing his apostles, he said, count the cost. Count the cost because this will cost you everything. The pearl of great price is not cheap. It's not a freebie, right? And unfortunately, in Christianity, everybody is convinced. They are convinced that you don't get to go to heaven until you are physically dead, right? That, that's the damage that Rome did to the word. That's the damage that Rome did to the gospel, right? You are supposed to obtain the kingdom of heaven with boots on the ground, not when your body is lying six feet in the earth and moldy, right? That's not it. Boots on the ground. Uh, you know, and, and it's like, and, and also get a hold of this, right? You got to go back. You know, I, I'd said that you can't find the mill thought, you know, after the book of John, which is by and large pretty dang true, right? Uh, until you get to the book of Revelation, but you're going to find it in First Peter also, right? And, and, you, and because this is what they're teaching, all right? This is what Peter is teaching. Oh, gosh, people, if you want to find out who the real, the real Peter was or who the real Peter is, I highly suggest you pick up and read the Clementine homilies or the recognitions of Clement, two books, right? And you are going to get a picture of Peter that you never had before. This man was absolutely brilliant. Brilliant. You know, but nobody knows that today because Clement has been ostracized. You know, it, it should have been, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, maybe the book of Acts. But I'll tell you what, after the book of Acts, man, they should have had the Clementine homilies. They should have had the recognitions of Clement. They are infinitely, infinitely infinitely of far greater value than you will ever find in those 13 epistles, right? Man, read Clementine and you are going to get an eye opener because Peter expounds upon the teachings of Yahshua. He expounds upon them. You are going to find the teachings of Yahshua all over the homilies and all over the recognitions and, uh, and you're going to get an understanding a huge understanding of things that Yahshua taught that maybe don't make a whole lot of sense to you right now. You know, one thing that you are going to find in Clement that you are not going to find in those 13 epistles is that salvation is not, I repeat, not categorically, not in OT, a freebie. It is not a free gift, people. It costs you everything. If you go back and you read 1 Peter 1, 
just First Peter 1. That's all you got to do. And you're going to find out the salvation, your salvation, the fullness of your salvation is in and it is reserved in heaven for you. That is why it's absolutely necessary, folks, that if you want to obtain the salvation of God, you must, you must, with boots on the ground, obtain the kingdom of heaven first. Go back again and read Revelation 12, right? Um, uh, after after Michael and his angels have kicked uh, the great dragon and his angels out of heaven, right? Now, what's the next thing you see? Now, now is come salvation. Now is come salvation. Why is that, people? Because this great red dragon stands between you and the kingdom of heaven. And if you want to obtain the kingdom of heaven, it is necessary to defeat that dragon. And uh, you're going, well, golly, Michael, that, that doesn't happen until, man, the, the, the seals are open and all this and all that, right? Well, uh, that's the way folks believe that today, right? Today, but I'll tell you what, once the Holy Spirit reveals to you just who the accuser of the brethren is, all right? Let that serpent be identified. He is the accuser of the brethren. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. There was a guy who accused the brethren. He, uh, he accused them of being Judaizers. He accused them of uh, all manner of things. He belittled them. He exalted himself as he belittled the apostles of the Lamb. Right? He, uh, he condemned Peter. He condemned Peter. Right? And if you knew the scene that was going on there, if you knew Peter's version of the story, Peter's version, right, you're going to get a whole different understanding of what took place when Peter got up from the table and left. Right, It didn't have a thing to do with what his accusers said. It had to do with the things that Yahshua had taught. And Peter was being obedient to the milfong when he got up from that table of the Gentiles. Right? Anyway, like I say, it's a whole different understanding. And if you, if you do get into Clement, if you do take my advice, you know, and, and pick it up and read it, per, you know, peruse it, you can go to Amazon and download it on your Kindle or download it on your iPad, right? Um, you know, you can pick it up there and it's not very expensive. But I highly do recommend that you do it. So here, here's the deal, right? Again, uh, your salvation is for right now, okay? You are to obtain that salvation now. And the way you do that is by obtaining the kingdom of heaven, which is the pearl of great price, right? And you obtain the kingdom of heaven when you pick up the cross and you allow it to do its work. And God brings Adam to the death. Not only is he bringing Adam to the death, but he is, but the new Adam, the new child, the new son is being birthed within you. And the birthing of the sons and the daughters of God people takes place at the cross. That's where the birth happened. When Yahshua was going to the cross, he likened it unto a mother giving birth to a child. All right? So I'm going to leave it off with that. I, I, I filled your ear. And, uh, and I hope you ponder these things that I'm saying and not just take offense because I, you know, uh, I hope you don't take offense at the things that I've been sharing with you. And uh, I'll talk to you again in a couple of days. This is Michael, and uh, <laughs> and this has been The Blood Walk. Bye-bye.